What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dogs Basketball Podcast here on this Victory Tuesday, the eve of, we've said this a lot, biggest games of the year. We'll talk, though, about the current situation with just two games to spare, and tomorrow's game might not mean a whole lot. We know the game upcoming on Sunday means most, and that all depends also with what that team does tonight and so forth. But we're here, of course, to recap the one-game sweep of the Evansville Purple Aces. I'm Nick Malone, joined by Noah Lurch. And Noah, we were at this game. We always love going to Evansville. And can you remember the last time they lost when we were here? It, it's been a long – or since we've gone there, it's been a long time. And had a couple of buddies with us, had a good time. And this was a game that – I'm not going to say it's as similar to last year. We ended up beating them really bad last year. But, like, it was close at the start of the game, and then we started to pull away. Mainly that was in the latter part of the second half. And a lot of those effort plays showed in this one, especially – at the very end, the last play of the game, it was it was a fun one, and we got to that. What's going on? Yeah, it was a big time win. Uh, that's that's a place where I mean, the team we play tomorrow night couldn't go over there and win. Uh, a lot of people this year, um, not only do they, I mean, it took Drake a buzzer, a half court heave to win it over there, um, and we beat them by double digits. So that I mean, it shows you the the defensive effort they did for forty minutes was really impressive and seeing some other guys continue to step up and make strides in their game. And uh, the big news was that we heard after we went to lunch, got over there early, went to lunch and on the way to the game, listened to Luke Martin and Rodney Watson, that Clarence Rupert was dressed and was going to warm up. Not sure if he was going to play. So that was big news. Ends up playing seven minutes in this one. Didn't do a whole lot, but did have a key block at one point in those seven minutes and those seven minutes. I mean, even if he's not a hundred percent putting his body on the line, he can he gave Jared and Scotty just enough rest where they could finish the game strong. Yeah, and we, we were surprised because we had talked on the previous one about, you know, there were rumblings that it could have been, you know, could have been uh, you know, he could have missed a couple more games potentially. And kudos to him for fighting it out, as you said in the last one, and it's true he's been dealing with a lot. So of course, you know, there he doesn't want any scenario where he ends up not playing, you know, most of the rest of the season or something. And, of course, there's a big risk if you're sick at a certain point, you come back too early. I mean, clearly he got cleared. So it's all good. Uh, but, yeah, we if anything, we didn't expect him to play, but he did play a little bit, yeah, those six minutes and with, with the block and everything. Not really impactful. Otherwise, I mean, it's hard to do that in six minutes, even though we know Scotty, you know, he can do and that or a little bit more time than that and do a lot. And Scotty was awesome in this game, but you're right. Someone to just spill those other guys. Cause that's clearly what we need. And we know foul trouble is on the, always on the horizon with Scotty and Jared. So it was good to just have him out there and know that he's back and here for the, the final two games of the season. It's big. Cause we know we need Clarence in a lot of, in a lot of different ways, even though we looked really good the other night um, or in the previous game. But yeah, that that's the main thing to take away from this. Also just, you know, and we'll talk about X at the end. He's getting a lot of accolades here, and it wasn't the best start for X again. He, The turnovers weren't there. Maybe they were in bunches at one point in the first half, but, uh, you know, X wasn't himself again in the first half. Luckily, he turned it around in the second with a lot of a lot of plays, and all it takes is really one play for X to really get going. But he, no, we know he's been dealing with injuries, and you know Brian alluded to it that obviously the load he's had and what he's going through. Clearly, he is. We know that the news Isaiah Swope's getting surgery for the season, and it's like, well, Xavier Johnson very well could, you know, too. It's it's either he's 
we're not sure what it is. Clearly, it's it's lower body. It's either the, the you know the delay he's got a sleeve on all season. It could be something with that. Uh, and you know there was a point in this game where he he was down for a second after a play, and of course was hobbling. And Trey Miller again nowhere to be found. Unfortunately, he can't even sub in for him, and he. And he comes over to the sidelines and pretty much takes himself out. It took a couple plays, which is ridiculous. But then he finally did. He was dealing with Riley. He it was almost before half, and he went back to the sideline or to the locker room, came back in like two minutes. And we know he got some kind of pain injection, and he came out. And it, it's it's crazy the wonders those things can do. But that was notable as well. And he obviously finished strong, but we know obviously that's been what's been going on with X. But he was, you know, almost had a triple double. He was two assists away. He had a phenomenal game. I mean, no, like I said, it, it was close throughout. I mean, let's talk about Evansville for just for a second. Like, there were a couple players that impressed us. It was cool to see Hummer House in person. And a lot of them, along with the rest of the team, they were missing a lot of shots they usually make. Kudos to our defense, you know, overall. But I think, you know, they would ha- have a lot of plays they'd like to have back potentially. Who stuck out? There's a player definitely that stuck out to us in Evansville. And he was getting, he was getting what he wanted. But overall, it was a game for them. You don't have to say the first half. We could talk of the grand scheme. They kind of underwhelmed, whether that's Hummer Cows or whether that's, like I said, anybody else. But uh, more surprised because we might have beat them by the biggest margin they've had all season. You said the Bradley game. I mean, we kind of – they didn't really play like themselves, I think, for the first time in a while at home. Yeah, I think they. it just took a little bit to get going uh, for them. I mean, Hummer Cows is just – we made him take some tough shots, and that's a credit to – I mean, Jared Hensley, for, I haven't mentioned that. He got the start big for Scotty in this game and he got the matchup, which that's what I thought they should do. Um, I think putting the length on him and making them take the difficult shots and canard guarding him at times. And we were switching other guys onto him and just made everything difficult. But really, I mean, Tanner cuff was, was the guy for them to really help them get going outside of uh, Antonio Thomas had some layups in that, in that, in the second half um, to get their offense here and there. But, Outside of those two guys, Toomey, uh, Bailey, Hummerkaus just struggled shooting the ball. I thought they should have played uh, Hafner more, did not play him as much as I thought they would. Um, I really like his game coming off, be able to score at all three levels, but he's a definite sharpshooter. So uh, only a sophomore coming from the OVC, it went in freshman of the year in the OVC last year. I think if he grows a little bit more, he can be a pretty good player, but. Uh, I mean, yeah, Chuck Bailey missed some pretty good uh, jumpers, and we just defended at the rim a lot um, to make them take tough shots. And um, like I said earlier, this is a outside of I think it was three or four back cuts we gave up. Just that's our three point defense playing up tight so much, getting beat back door, and a couple different things that we just forty minute effort defensively and made everything tough on them. I mean, they were. Ended up two of ten from three, one of seven in that second half, and they just really struggled shooting the basketball. You said it there, and it is kind of what Bucky alluded to with Brian, and it was the question to ask about. You know, there were a couple breakdowns, but really it was yeah the the back cuts really because you were defending the mid range and the threes well. Uh, yeah, Antonio Thomas, you know, we knew he was. It's was, it was crazy trying to remember with the skill set that he has, like being a guard, like he can do those kind of things. He can shoot. He can do a lot of a lot of stuff, but he didn't really have to like, and that's something I just remember saying through the game is whenever things aren't going well for them, you know, I like Raglan as a coach. I think, I think he's really smart. 
he's been on the block, of course, and it's not really that hard. And it's not you're not you don't have to be so different to be able to know that if we're struggling on offense, can't get anything going. This defense is hounding us. Just cut, and that's whatever some teams do. Whenever they, it's not really it's desperation in a certain possession, but you know you can go to it. And then get you easy points out of it. And they did thrive on that a little bit. And, uh, but, again, they were missing shots they usually take. I mean, Toomey struggled in this one. He was doing good in the paint at first on Jared and Scotty. But Scotty kind of got what he wanted at first. You mentioned Jared got the start. Yeah, it was perfect. You called it. I mean, it seemed like the perfect thing to do with their kind of size and stature uh, on it. But, yeah, I mean, again, they you know they played a lot of people. Chuck, Chuck Bailey, which we've been saying, you know, there's people on his side that don't like or haven't liked his uh, standing in terms of coming off the bench and this and that. And a couple of guys struggled for them in this game or didn't do much. And he shot nine times, only went two of nine and was a plus five, but he probably should do more. He was good at times. Overall, yeah, they definitely underwhelmed him. And they shot 38% or they they shot 39% in the first half, 36 in the second, only made two threes on the game. They're missing a lot of open, open ones. You said Hafner. He, yeah, he's – he's probably one of the best shooters in the league, honestly. And you said what he came off of last season and he just, he, uh, you know, he was missing wide open three. So on their side, they just underwent a little bit Strawbridge for sure. And Humber cows wasn't getting the usual shots, but uh, we knew they were really tough at home. So it, it was perfect on that end defensively to be able to hold them to a lot of these poor shooting outings. But even for us, no, I mean, still love what Kennard's bringing. We were talking earlier and we'll talk at the end of the season, like, how you finish strong and if he continues to I mean he was the highest plus minus on the team not saying the league of course looks at that but 30 minutes nine points he was on Hummer counts a lot in this game him and X or there was a lot of switches but Kennard started on Hummer counts a lot and did a really good job so you know those things if you finish really strong they can reward you and I just I really hope he can like get on a freshman team there's a lot of great options as we know but he's just playing great he was attacking the rim finishing he's doing AJ kind of stuff that we've seen from AJ this season and he's just so strong and he's able to do all those things. I mean, Noah, I mean, I didn't have the first half stats because people were probably wondering where the tweets were and the stats. The connection was so bad in Fort Center where we were sitting that I couldn't get anything to load. So I don't have like exactly what everyone had at the start. But no, I know for a fact. And as we all know, Troy did not score in the first half, dealt with foul trouble. He dealt with no foul trouble in the second half, ended up with 17. Noah, your thoughts overall on who, who was best in this game? It's clear that Troy is playing the best basketball of his SOU career. All it takes a little bit of criticism his way. He doesn't listen to it, obviously, but, you know, he's so important in his role that, again, whether he's dog of the game or not, he has to be important. And he's had two turnovers in the last three games. He's scored like 52 points or so. I mean, he's been phenomenal. Noah, he's shooting well. He hits the big threes in this one, and he's able to just use his size. And he's just doing everything. 17 in the second half is crazy. Your thoughts on Troy's game, what he can literally – he can clearly impact the game. He can impact it in losses, you know, be the reason why we lose, and he's a huge reason why we win. Your thoughts on his game and, again, X and anyone else that stuck out to you? Yeah, Troy is very, very important to this team. And I'm not saying he's going to score 17 tonight for us to be who we want to be, but this is a guy that him starting to – he's attacking the rim like he's been talking about. But – He's not taking the dumb threes anymore, and he's starting to shoot at a very high clip. What he did last year, he didn't take as many, but he shot like 40% last year, and he's starting to do that. I mean, he was three of six on Sunday. I mean, he's just starting to be that guy we need, especially even defensively. He's one of those guys that we 
rely on, and he's going to get in some foul trouble here and there. But the guys behind him, especially when you get Clarence healthy, I mean, getting Jarrett ready and Scotty, those guys. Uh, you've seen the sm- some small ball on this one. We went five, Troy at the five a little bit here and there, but this is him stepping up and being this guy that we can rely on that if X is struggling with his just all the things that's on his shoulders, that we have another guy and the other guys that can continue. I mean, Scotty with 12, you mentioned Kennard nine, but AJ seven, Trent eight. This is a kind of an off game for Jarrett. He had a couple defensive plays, but um, didn't score in this one. But once you get Clarence back and rolling, I mean, this team has showed what they can be, and especially if Troy is going and hitting at the high clip, if you can find a way to loosen up the defense and uh, X is getting paint touches, it doesn't always make the best decision. Um, but it was really good to see in that second half, really. Kind of later in that first half, um, the, the staff made – they were – Toomey was just hedging the ball screen so hard. X was having to make two or three extra dribbles just to be able to try to make – well, it's a late pass to whoever's rolling, or we can try to reverse the ball. But we made – we started doing double screens. It was either Troy or Trent – um, after Scotty or Jarrett rolled, we would pick and pop, and we were just getting guys open. Uh, it was a good adjustment by the staff. But, yeah, I mean, Troy's stepping up, and this is the guy we need down the stretch. For sure. And, again, it just he needs to use other parts of his game instead of just rely on threes. And, again, if they keep mentioning how they want to play their best, they clearly are with this three-game winning streak and how they're finishing games and that X struggles mightily. You know, he had 10 of his 12 in the second half and, again, almost had a triple-double. But when he's not at his best, guys step up. And it's crazy that, again, we can't put Trey Miller in the game when he was out dealing with an injury, that Troy was the point guard. And clearly there are times when we – there were a lot of bad, you know, moments in this game, you know, when it was dicey and everything else, you know, the team struggled. But they need a point guard out there. And, of course, Trey can't do it. But <clears throat> overall, I mean, for sure, and it's weird. You know, Jarrett scores 15 one game and then zero the next. But it is just somebody – else that steps up and just provides it. I mean, the high lows work so well. Troy, you know, has a lot of his assists to Scotty on high lows that works so much. Humberkaus was on him at times down low. It says it's not going to work. And then you said there, like when they extend X out so far and he tries to make the wraparound pass or a pass across court, there were times in the game and clearly all season where it hasn't worked, but you're right. They did adjust and they realized, you know, I don't know why it takes this because sometimes you keep doing it. And of course it happens at home when you, allow a comeback excuse me that whenever you can't do anything about it you keep letting them do it and then you can't get anything on the offense <clears throat> really I think road games bring the best out of this team it's what it seems like and now that they're I think five and five or so on the road worth three and oh watching them on the road and they had that success we'll see what they can do on a neutral but it's like of course when you play like you have the back against your wall as a road team things can happen exactly why people do it against us like there's just something about being on the road and it brings out the best on the staff with those adjustments that you said, and then obviously the play of the players. And, you know, there were, there were sparks of runs in this game. We went on it when it was tied to 35, we went on 11 0 run throughout the game. Uh, you know, Troy hit a huge three, then X hit a huge three off a turnover. We were up by 11 and then that kind of held, it got, it got dicey. At some points there'd be a small run. We'd call a timeout, but uh, overall, again, we, we played well. I mean, Scotty, you know, he went, he had two sets of free throws. He had four free throws in the first half and made one each time. So that's huge. So it's just stuff like that, that you know, factors into, you know, this kind of a win. And, um, you know, of course, again, you – and know the 
<clears throat> the the most awesome play was the last play of the game whenever uh you know we kind of had it in the bag it was time was running it was around 30 or so seconds and x got a tip he was fighting with Hummerkaus for the ball dove on the ball and then it, you know i was thinking in my mind i'm like please don't get hurt doing something like this when the game's out of hand but you know he the ball scooted away he he slid didn't get hurt got up again saved it to trent he got fouled and it was just an awesome moment. Brian was – we talked a lot about the, you know, the emotion that he showed. Of course, that's something that he loves, even though his best players were dealing with an injury, diving on the floor, doesn't matter. It's in their DNA. Coach Maiman was tweeting about it. It was an awesome moment, and X proved to be fine. Of course, he showed emotion after the fact. And those are the kind of things – steal a win on the road like that, but also you know provide just the confidence moving forward that this, this team clearly needs. And before I get your final thoughts, Noah, I mean – and we move on to the other games, just knowing that with this game with X, a borderline triple-double, he's, you know, not only is he getting recognized a lot by the league today, he could be the only player to, to lead the league in points and assists since the 90s, and both those players, a Bradley and Drake player, respectively won player of the year, and obviously that's a conversation. We do think X deserves player of the year, uh, and he showed just why in this game, even though he didn't shoot the best, but he he, he came in the clutch and then he was also named to the USBWA Oscar Robertson Trophy and All-American watch list. I mean, Noah, these are the things that X has deserved. I thought he could have been on some throughout, like halfway through the year. Uh, but, of course, now that it's winding down, he's on these. And, and it's, and it's of course, well-deserved. And we know, we know we think he deserves to be mid-major player of the year as well. A lot of things come in his way, and he needs to finish even stronger for us. But it's good for him to get recognized. Your, your thoughts on that, your overall final thoughts of the game, and then you can dive into the other games. Yeah, I mean, him giving – finally, I mean, he's been talked about, obviously. You see a lot of the tweets. Obviously, you see him with the highest-scoring guys all all year long and just see those guys where um, just him getting the recognition finally and just – I think Tucker's on that list as well. So it's just big time by him. And I think – I was trying to think of just going back to – I think it was – in Jan- early January, where the Lou Henson Award came out, which is just things that you would see, and I only think he was, or he was on there, and just that's another award that he could potentially win with other mid-major guys. Just, I mean, Swope was on there as well, but him getting this recognition and just obviously, it's kind of like we say how important Jeremy Chin was to this program for football that that X being get, getting this recognition and potentially having a career after this season somewhere um, just helps this program as well. And, and can help his staff um, get players in here that we can take that next step um, after the, after we finish this season strong. So, yeah, was, I mean, it was great road. It was blackout over there. They had a pretty good crowd. I think it was just under 5,700 um, really good really good game. I mean, always going on the road and making that trip to Evansville is always fun. Um, love the Ford center, great environment. So, um, big time win. We three, three, three wins in a row. Longest, longest winning streak in the Valley right now. And, uh, you got a good opportunity tomorrow night. Yeah. And I want to say, you know, of course, Luke has all these great stats as well about things just after the fact of this game and, you know, the, about where we are in like Camp Palmanet, we haven't been at since 0708. You know, there was this, there was this a post about only eight teams have, uh, you know, increased, you know, their 
had a huge difference in their average attendance this season. There was a post about obviously what the dog pound means because the dog pound went into this game. They were making fun of the Evansville, uh, you know, they were making fun of the Evansville uh, student section as well for what that's worth. If that was even there, so it was just an all around awesome game. And again, you know what this team's doing at this point of the season is just it's just awesome. So no, I mean, again, there, there's a game tonight, but. We know there's other there's other good games or just like one for sure that you can dive into that we'll be rooting for tomorrow uh, to get the job done to get some of these teams off our back. But we got to take care of our own business. But we'll talk again after you get done with this about the importance of, you know, if tomorrow even really matters, because we know Sunday is the one that matters most. What What's happened recently and what's going to happen tomorrow? Yeah, there's everybody was else was in action on Saturday. We were the only game Sunday. Valpo went on the road at Murray State. They gave them all they wanted. Um, Valpo was up eight at halftime, but Murray State rallied and uh, came back behind Jacoby Woods, 24 points. He was 9 of 16 from the field. Nick Ellington had 14 and 11. Quincy Anderson, 10. Uh, Rob Perry had 12 off the bench. I'm not sure if that if, – if Rob came off the bench, if that's correct, I mean, that's just Steve trying to find ways – Obviously, with Brian Moore, if he's healthy, probably Rob's back in the lineup. He's just looking to ways, find ways to get guys uh, a stronger push off the bench. But Cooper Schweiger, 26 points. He was really good. Stafford at 13. He struggled a little bit, 5 of 19 from the field and a 12-point loss for Valpo. But um, other games on Saturday, Missouri State went on the road to Nashville and got trounced by Belmont, 93-78. K. Tyson led the way with 25 points. Um, Gillespie had 24. Dia had 13-8, and eight, so the big three continues to strive. Willingham at 12-7, and seven, nice game for him. 8-7-5 and five for Isaiah Walker. Um, just big-time games for him. Since he moved to the bench, he had 12-11 and 11 at Drake, and then he had 8-7-5. and, seven and five. So that's another, another piece for Casey off the bench with – just switching some things up with Gillespie healthy and it's made Isaiah a different player. And he's, he's taking that role and running with it. Drake on the road at UNI. Drake doesn't give us any help. We needed them to win this one, but UNI 91 Drake 77. Um, you and I took this to heart really Titan Anderson, 18 and 18. I mean, good Lord. He had 15 free throw attempts. Um, we talked earlier that he was kind of getting in some of you and I players kind of, we're going at Tucker, kind of getting in his face. Bowen had 16. Heiss had 18 and 9. Um, when they're playing at this level, this is the team where people thought they'd finish top three in the league. Tucker had 28 and 9, um, but he had no help. Brody, 4-4. Four, four. Jacob Hudson shut him down. Nice bit, nice bench game for Ferguson. Six. Garland had 13 off the bench, but just not, not enough for the Bulldogs to get it in a place like that. UIC on the road in Indiana State. Um, it wasn't really close. The score got a little closer. UIC outscored them by one in the second half, so it got a little closer. But 88-73 win for the Sycamores. Um, Robbie had 22. Conwell, 18 and 12. Larry had 15, 5 and 10. Kent had 16 and 8. Swope struggling still. 2 of 8, 1 of 7 from 3. So uh, Bletson had 9 off the bench. Um, that's all they really they play. They played Daughtry and Wolf in this one. Off the bench, then Illinois State. On the road at Bradley, this is a good old-fashioned rock fight. Um, Duke Dean um, carried them to a win, 11 points. Um, he struggled a little bit. Hickman really struggled, 2 of 11. For Illinois State, it was Kingsinger, 10 points. 
Miles Prosser, six points, but at 16 rebounds. It was just a really ugly game where teams defensively, I mean, Illinois State, three of 23 from three, and Bradley was seven of 28. So both teams struggled mildly from the field, shooting below 30% in both teams. So it was a rock fight. Um, that's a not, we, we've been talking about it since. That's not a game uh, Bradley wants to get into tomorrow night. We'll dive in more to that later. But you did mention there is a game tonight. Valpo on the road at UNI. We're all Beacon fans tonight, but UNI favored by 15 and, I expect them to cover that 15 um, because they're starting to play pretty good basketball like Ben Jacobson teams always do. They're finding finding their mojo. I know Harry Schroeder asked all the coaches about that second gear or that extra boost injury energy then maybe this week or maybe it's not till next week. And uh, I think they found it playing Drake on Saturday. Then tomorrow night, Indiana State on the road at Evansville. Indiana State favored by nine and a half on the road. Um, I'd like to see Evansville cover that. Um, they're a tough home team, so they could win that. Drake on the road at UIC, favored by eight and a half. Missouri State on the road at Illinois State. Illinois State, four and a half point favorites. Then Belmont, the one we're really watching. Belmont on the road at Murray State. Murray favored by two and a half. That's a game we need Murray State to take care of business on senior night and get it done. Yeah, we'll be... That's the thing, senior night for all these teams, and we'll get into the game, our game tomorrow. That's the case, too. You expect these teams to have some extra lift to them. And, you know, you said with, uh, you know, Valpo, I mean, 15 and a half is a lot. And it's like this league is so it to where they can beat Bradley and Drake at home and handle them at certain points of the game. But this is the game that Valpo plays it as close as the others did. Like, it, it just it wouldn't surprise me. And, of course, we're rooting for it. Usually when we root for things, they don't happen, especially when, you know, if they're not like your team involved, if you're rooting for outside help, it really usually never happens. And you said it, it didn't happen when they beat Drake as bad as they did. Missouri State couldn't fight with Belmont a little bit more. Their big three is just way too good. And uh, you're right, though, the, you know, Illinois State, you know, exactly. They, they have the players to play like that. It's weird. They just have the post players and – they can do a rock fight as well, but of course, you know, they caught Bradley and it's those typical rivalry games that happen that ugly. Uh, but of course we, you know, we can't get lucky enough to hold Bradley under 50, perhaps, you know, we can only hope, but um, yeah, some good games again, no help. And you mentioned the games coming up. Yeah. They're uh, besides that one game, it was really, that's the only one to really be eyeing, I suppose, of course, uh, in tomorrow's game. So the net, or the standings, of course, we still hold that lead. Belmont, you and I, right behind us, ten and eight. Murray, nine and nine. Illinois State, only we have a lot of onlys here now. There, besides the two ten and eights, the only nine and nine Murray, only eight and ten Illinois State, only seven and eleven Missouri State, only six and twelve Evansville, only four and fourteen UIC and Valpo still at two and sixteen. And um, no, I mean the probabilities. You know, the number went up for us for the for the four at fifty three. It's still the highest. You and I only at 27. Again, we know that Sunday game is massive. And, uh, you know, in, in the grand scheme overall, or the net, we moved up, I think, three. I think we're at 106 or so. We're, we're around that the early 100s. And you and I, you know, didn't really move. They're still like 15 or so behind us. Uh, but as we know, it, it boils down to Sunday. And we'll talk about it more, I guess, when it happens. Because, again, maybe tomorrow's games don't mean as much. Uh but the scenarios of the of the final two games, I guess that's all we really got to say. I mean, I could hand it over to you and we could dissect it. But again, you know, obviously if, if you and I somehow loses tonight, 
and we beat Bradley. Not only are we fighting for the three spot now, but they have Drake on deck after that. But knowing that we have, you know, we'll have a two-game lead, so it would mean nothing what that final game would mean, even if they sweep us, because we'd still have the better record. But as you said, they're just they're playing so well, and they're a different road team, like most teams are. But they're playing so well, they're playing with that kind of emotion that it, it it's going to be really nerve-wracking on Sunday. We'll talk more about the scenarios, I guess, whenever we preview preview them here this weekend. Uh, but of course, getting ever so dicey this time of year. Uh, no, let's talk about uh, – there are some other things we'll talk about at a later date. You know, Dana Ford's future, why Wheeler had a had an article here, which that we know that's something that's that's been a thing, and uh, we'll see how Dana finishes this season. We'll talk about that at a later date. And then uh, conference realignment, it's UMass, of course, you know, going to the MAC. They had been in the A-10, uh, a lot of movement there. They're going to start there in 25-26. There's been a lot of talk about – which Valley teams could potentially move. It's a lot of the teams that have been here the last couple of years, but there are some historic ones as well. Uh, know your thoughts on that, because it, it's a big deal. I mean, you saw that, you know, we were involved with that. Jeff Jackson's got to start because he's been asked a lot about if you're going to add teams where well, you could very well lose teams. And no, well, this just sparks a whole conversation of mid-majors in realignment. We know it always happens. It's that time of just NCAA and teams. Your thoughts on it about what could even happen in the next couple of years, if anything. And then, Talk about Anthony Gauss because he had something recently that also uh, struck our mind here about, uh, you know, that we're still watching him and, and a commitment probably is on the horizon. I wouldn't be too far-fetched to say. Yeah, uh, just real quick, one more thing. We talked about the tall task for Valpo. Just seen the tweet by Paul Oren. Uh, Connor Barrett and Schwieger did not make the trip because of illness. So that just – Oh, man. You can go ahead. Yeah. If you can get that at 15 and a half, go ahead and do it. Um, but – just yeah, then uh, the realignment. Yeah, I mean you've, we've heard it forever with Missouri State, and and if they could make it jump, I I would do it now. I mean they win a lot of games in basketball. Dana Ford would would, would have a lifetime contract if they're in the Conference USA. The way the Conference USA is set up right now with the players he's got, and they'd be a lot. They'd be interesting in football. Then you know you've heard Illinois State, then us that we could somehow end up in the MAC or something like that. But that's very far-fetched, um, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah you, you mentioned Anthony. We did wish him best of luck. This is something, a first for us that we've seen. He said good luck in the state playoffs. That's something we'll be able to track. Um, the other night, he did have 17.6 rebounds, five assists, two blocks, two steals. So, stuff in that stat sheet. Um, that's a guy that I definitely think could potentially be on the horizon sometime. Um in a couple in a month or so, maybe a commitment, maybe get him back on campus or something. But um, looking into the Bradley Braves, it's a team we all know. Don't want to remember that home game against them. Had it won, blew a twenty-three point home lead um, to lose by one, just heartbreaking fashion. It was really, really bad. Obviously, we know who they have: Duke Dean and Connor Hickman in the backcourt. Is it's going to be a uh, a less 100%, obviously, X and Trent Brown's got their hands full. Then Malavai Leons, he's going to win Defensive Player of the Year back-to-back years. He, he, he's incredible with his length and Darius Hanna having a good year for them. All of those guys averaging over 10 points a game. And Christian Davidson, the, just the role players they have. They've been playing Connor Linky over Janovich here lately, and Linky's done a pretty good job. He's just more... Um, developed and 
just more has more experience than Janovic. Janovic is just too, still a project, in my opinion. So this is a tough task um, for this game, but I dare I dare the Braves and Brian Wardle to get in a rock fight like they did the other night against Illinois State. Obviously, that's a battle of I-74, whatever they call it, in front of 9,200 people, the largest in the Valley all year long. Um, it's senior night. Expect another big crowd, but we've seen our team go on the road and be just fine. Um, if I were to pick a quick dog of the game, I'm going to go. I know we usually say he's off limits, but I think X has to have a statement here to put his punch on that um, going into senior night and get a player of the year. Uh, people seeing what he does, because I think I like our chances on the road tomorrow, tomorrow night, just the way our team's playing. Um, Bradley struggled coming off a struggling game to score with the way we play defense. I like, I like our chances. So do I. And, you know, we were trying to iron out maybe a spread, you know, they could be like three and a half or so favorites. You you said the favorites for the other games and the spreads. And I'm like, I could see it, you know, interestingly enough and how both these teams are rated and how they're playing. They're not really playing that great. We mentioned they were getting blown out at you and I, they stormed back of course. And then, you and I as a team that wouldn't actually lose a game like that, like we did the previous game, as you said. And, you know, they have four guys. You know, they have a you – know, they have a you know, Brian said they're looking for the fifth guy, and it's true. They're looking for the freshman, Christian Davis, up and down, everything we know about and the players you said. But it boils down to the four, and I agree X has to be huge. Not only is he banged up, he's got he's to fight with arguably the second best because Indiana State's got the best group of guards. Bradley's arguably got the second best group of guards with Hickman and Dean and their impact. Dean's still on fire for sure. He's playing like a first and second team member. It's just, and that's the thing. That's why for my dog of the game, I'm going to go with, I want, you know, we mentioned Kennard, you know, getting all freshmen. If he keeps playing well, he clearly has to, but I'm going to go with AJ because either of those two, because you, you take advantage of the Christian Davis position and everything else. They have advantages elsewhere you know, not 100% X and then Trent and then the bigs, of course they have an advantage. You mentioned Matt Alibi will probably win defensive player of the year again for sure, and him and Hannah will both be on that team since O'Connor. He hasn't probably fall, fallen off <clears throat> on defense, but Matt Alibi has just been special. He's breaking records in NCAA and recent over the last three years with defensive stats. So, of course, he's been phenomenal, and they're the biggest worries. You know, Kyle Thomas played well against us when he came off. It's just those guys you kind of – they're not very deep in, in terms of that. So we need to out-deep them, and I, I think also – I agree. I'm confident, too. This isn't like what it was a couple of weeks ago. We we would have no shot in, in our eyes, and they always seem to surprise us when we feel like they wouldn't have a shot. And But that's the thing. They're senior night. You just said they had 9,200 people. Expect around that number again for senior night to honor, you know, some of these guys, Malibai included, and – Darius, too, even though he's got an extra year. So it, it's going to be a crazy night there. It's one of the hardest places to win in NCAA. But this team is playing great, and they love playing on the road, as we've said. And imagine if you could somehow win this game. Again, not only are you still holding on to the four, but now you're tied for the third and boils down to that final game when they you know, they go at Drake. And we, of course, host you and I. So a lot of things to still play for. and They're really tough, as we know. They have a lot of weapons. Again, those four guys matter. So we got to make it count and – be really good at the small forward position and just fight like hell, as we know. And hopefully that last play X had at Evansville can rejuvenate him. We need to play well in that gym that has brick rims, as we've always said, too. So it's a massive game, and we'll be eyeing, as you said, Murray trying to look to get that home win against Belmont, too. So a lot going on tomorrow, and it starts with tonight. 
Sweeker's getting poached from other teams, according to Roger Powell, and he's not playing tonight. He gives him the best shot. So definitely you and I will take home the dub tonight, unfortunately. So we'll be eyeing games tomorrow, and it starts with ours at 7. Hope everybody else watches just like us. We would love to make the trip, but can't. We'll be looking forward to watching. See if we can get the dub. So for Nick Malone. No lurch. As always, let's stay steady. Let's try to get the job done. Go dogs.